With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What they discovered upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. Hello and welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Podcast. I'm Vicky. And I'm Janelle. We're back again. Yet again, somehow. Here to fuck you up with some murder. Pressing. <laughs> Pressing on. Yeah. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. Ugh, um, tell me about it. <laughs> is there something major going on in the world right now, Vicky? Yeah. So we'll start this off. Let's just, before we go anywhere, we're just going to start this off by saying we are, as we're recording this, two days out from the Roe v. Wade overturning verdict and or opinion and um not happy about it over here gotta say no. not a fan um no 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 no. definitely want to protest <laughs> did you go to one yesterday mm-hmm. yeah nice yeah nice. as i do but i don't take pictures and i wear all black because i'm a good little anarchist <laughs> yes yeah there is definitely some requirements for like protesting yes don't take um, your phone with you or if you do take a flip phone just saying yeah, <laughs> or turn off all of your location data and turn the whole thing off. Yep. Write your Airplane emergency mode. contacts on your arm. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Don't wear contacts. Mm-hmm. Cover your tattoos. <laughs> Cover your face. Hazmat suits included. <laughs> yeah. We did see it. We did see a hazmat suit. Yep. We did see a hazmat suit. It works. I mean, it's good to get, you know, get that facial recognition all fucked up that yeah. the police use. Yeah. Even though they say they don't. Yeah. They do. So, um, <laughs> I think it is fair to say that Janelle and I are both very pro-choice. Really? We have vaginas, and that's our opinion. (laughs) Our opinion is our vagina. So, yeah, not super thrilled about it. Very unhappy time. So we're going to... Probably light some things on fire. (laughs) Oh, wait. We're going to light it up with some murder. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because why not? Mm -hmm. Um, And oddly enough, it's kind of... It's kind of a a good topic that you picked. Yeah, this was not intentional. I did not know when the opinion was coming out, so this was not intentional. Fucking some shit up. Yeah. Um, So, do you have any other thoughts on the topic before we move on? I mean, the other thing that's really sad about all of this, besides the obvious, is that um, there was a little statement that fuckboy Clarence Thomas (laughs) put about 
Also, retracting yeah. rights, uh, they also voted about the Miranda rights issue. Um, so we're on a downward spiral. Um, yeah. Just so you know, empires last about 250 years. Where are we at? And we are at 245. Oh, so only matter of time before the entire U.S. just implodes. Oh, my God. I will die so. if in five years it's just like the complete collapse of America. Like, guys, we're a statistic now. Thanks. I mean, I can't wait for the collapse of civilization. I mean, yeah. So I can go back also, to farming yes. and barter systems. Yeah. That's where I'm at in life. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is scary for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, laws and opinions being sent down by people who have never been in a minority of anything. Who are using their political views instead of supposedly, you know, they're not supposed to do that as a judge, but you know, that's obviously not happening. And then someone just posted today about um, how Clarence Thomas got a bunch of money from right-wing groups for something. So that's fun. So there's definitely a lot of collusion happening. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'll also say... On both sides. Let's, let's be perfectly yes. honest. Yeah, the yeah. Democrats are going to use this as a... Totally. Finance our campaign bullshit. Mm-hmm. Hence the reason why I do not have a I political mean, this, party. <laughs> quite frankly, is the issue people are going to be voting on. Yes. One of many. You mm-hmm. know, obviously gun reform. I just... The Miranda rights thing directly affects a lot of the things we talk about. Okay, what is the Miranda rights thing? You they mentioned this. Are, no. uh, they have passed... Uh, something that does not allow you to sue police for not Mirandizing you. What? You're not allowed to sue police. The Supreme Court? Yep. What the fuck? So this also opens doors for a lot of uh, false, you know, things to happen. A lot of people will get in a lot of shit when they're talking to police. Are they so <laughs> if you can't sue police for Mirandizing you, are you still allowed to throw out evidence pre Miranda right reading? So that's where it's gonna get tricky. Did they not make a decision on they that? They haven't made a decision on that. Oh my god, I hate it here. So <laughs> I fucking hate it here. And the the abortion uh, issue has been overshadowing things, which it is terrible, but this Oh my def- god. This affects everyone. It affects the judicial system, it affects how police investigate things and basically allows the police to be even more untouchable than they already are. This is very, and it's disgusting. Ugh, um, I hate it. And all I can say is I hate it here. <laughs> it's it sucks. We it's all, it sucks it, a lot. We fought very hard for the Miranda rights. It is a tiny sliver of hope for people who've been falsely accused. Yeah. Um, for people yeah. who've had false confessions, like it, it directly connects with a lot of those issues. Yeah. I and mean, that's this the problem. This is also coming off the back of the argument of ineffective assistance of counsel based on new evidence mm-hmm. being yeah. thrown out when you're talking about um, trying to appeal your conviction. Like that's no longer a thing. Like it's coming off the back of that. Clearly, there is a lot of criminal justice reforms coming through via Supreme Court opinion right now that yeah. are like not super great. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the same with the conceal and carry issue that came up that that went through really quickly without a whole lot of yeah. discourse. So there's a lot uh, there. There's a agenda yeah. being like really pushed right now. Uh, rapid fire. Yeah. Just and case. quite frankly, if you're <laughs> sitting there thinking this does not affect me, I don't do crime like you the whole point of this is if you're an innocent person all like, it takes is for you to be in the wrong place at the wrong for time. real this could happen to anybody and then the next thing you know you're being wrongfully accused and you mm-hmm. don't have any of these protections to help you help you down the road mm-hmm. so think about that for a second and then think about whether or not these are important 
and it can affect decisions. the people that you love. Yes. Yeah. You 100%. may you may never be wrongfully accused, but someone you love could be, yeah. and then that's going to affect your life as well. So, so um, we'll end so by laws saying, are horrible, and yeah. I hate everything. We just collapse civilization. Is my yeah. take on this. <laughs> Thank you for sitting through our little rant. Um, we typically do not get political mm-hmm. on this podcast. However, these are issues that are directly affecting, affecting laws, which laws we talk about and lives, and we are very passionate about all of these issues so like there was not a choice but to say, talk about it mm-hmm. i think yeah i didn't have any other ch- i was like sorry if you sat through so, this and it made you trauma <clears throat> re-traumatized you i apologize yeah i've been re-traumatized several times over the past couple days yep. so that's yeah. fun <laughs> um so we're gonna move on and head over to the newsroom This week, we're going to start with a kind of a happy news story. Oh, is it pizza crime? No, it's not pizza <laughs> I crime. I could handle some pizza crime. It's right not now. pizza crime. I should have done that, though. <laughs> I did need some, like, uplifting shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in New York, there was a woman who had been kidnapped... Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> is this supposed to be happy? It is. It will be. Yeah, okay. it definitely will be. So um, she placed an order to the Chipper Truck Cafe. Um, and in the notes of the order on Grubhub, she wrote, please call the police. He's going to call me when you delivered. Come with the cones. Please don't make it obvious. That's what she wrote. Wow. So the restaurant received um, received the order, obviously, and saw the notes on the order. And some of the girls at the restaurant were like, because there is thought, like, is this a prank? Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the owner basically said that when the owner came or when the order <laughs> came in, like, we would be negligent if we didn't mm-hmm. at least call the police. Yeah. Um, so they did. And they went to the delivery address. Um, they rescued the woman and... <laughs> Based on the Scrubhub order, the suspect in her kidnapping is a 32-year-old suspect. They have not um, really, really started identities or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he or she or they were arrested and charged with multiple counts, including attempted rape, assault, and sexual abuse. Wow. So. Grubhub saves lives, y'all. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel like you hear all these stories of Fuck like. Fuck Uber Eats. No. Yeah. <laughs> Down with DoorDash, grow up all the way. No, um, you hear all these stories now about like you know if you're out at a bar and you're feeling uncomfortable, there's like bar orders you can do to get somebody to help you out. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or you know just walking up to a stranger and being like, "Oh my god, how are you?" and pretending you know that person, and hopefully they'll go along with it. But the fact that she like wrote this plea in a Grubhub order. Thank God they took it seriously and called the police. Yeah. But like, you know how many times I've put notes in a Grubhub order and they've disregarded it? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Could you imagine if that happened? If you're like, please send help. I'm trapped. Yeah. <laughs> At least she didn't like um, like sandwich it within a real food order. Like extra cheese, extra ranch, call the police. Yeah. You know, no lettuce, tomato. <laughs> Um, so that's a bit of happy news. Yeah. Grubhub safe lives. Grubhub safe lives. That's going to be their new campaign. <laughs> um, I mean, they've saved a life. <laughs> I mean, they've probably saved some lives during the pandemic. <laughs> Maybe. 
But are they uh, are they bad corporate people? They probably are, huh? You'll say uh, all corporate people are yeah, bad corporate people. You know me. <laughs> yes. um, okay, so we're gonna move on to Netflix and Kill, which I I I feel like since the last time we've recorded, there's been just a wave of like stuff. Yeah. Tons. Yeah. Tons. Also, before you yeah. even start, I just want to say I got Apple TV and I am watching Severance and it is so fucking My good. My brother is supposed to give me his stupid login so I can watch it. It is so good. I just Trevor, got- if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I just got like a year free from T-Mobile. I was like, thanks. Sick. Yeah. Um, okay. But today we're talking about Netflix. Okay. <laughs> and we are talking. Oh, we're going to, I'm going to change actually what I wrote. Oh God. Because okay. I kind of did it wrong. <laughs> It's Mormon week. Like, <laughs> it's full-on Mormon week this week at Netflix and Kill here. Oh, God. Um, so there were two big things that that came out. One was Under the Banner of Heaven. Yes. Um, a Hulu original series starring Andrew Garfield. Mm-hmm. Um, based on true story. Based on true story. And a book. And a book. <laughs> I got you that book for Christmas, I think, did one you? year. I did. You sure that Like, the me? first Christmas. I'm pretty sure. I am fairly sure because I remember... <laughs> Like ninety five percent sure. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think you got me something about Chicago. I don't think so because I remember looking very hard for that book for you. Okay, I don't remember you getting that. For it's me. okay. <laughs> I'm I'm not offended, but no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm pretty sure I did. I'll have to look at my receipts anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Check the receipts. Either way. Um, the other one was Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, a documentary about the FLDS, Rulon, and Warren Jeffs. So yes, let's bags. <laughs> start with Under the Banner of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a murder or a series of murders that takes place in Utah. Um, see, this is the one I forgot to write down. So this is off the top of my head. Um, the story itself in the series, it's a uh, crime drama. So mm-hmm. it is, there are parts that are fictionalized, right? Um, I always have to laugh when I see Rory Cullen, um, mm-hmm. Rory Culkin, sorry, pop up in like a show because he's definitely been typecast as these kind of culty, crazy stoners people. too. Lots of stoners. Um, <laughs> but essentially, the idea is this fundamentalist. Well, this Mormon family, um, the brothers, kind of band together and start moving towards the fundamentalist side of things mm-hmm. and the sort of more like patriot, um, not paying taxes kind of deal mm-hmm. and the plural wives kind of deal. A little touch of Ruby Ridge, a little touch yeah. of Waco, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually the brothers start having not visions. What do they call them? Um, Where God talks to them. directly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a test. To- Maybe testimony. Yeah. Something like that. (laughs) I forget the term term for it. Um, Essentially creating this list of people they had to kill. Some of them were their very own wives due to insubordinance and what they see as going against the um, the head of the household. Yeah. Uh, How dare you buy Wonder Bread, bitch, basically, was what I got out of one episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's a very good series. I will warn people before you go and watch it that it. I mean, it talks about child murder. It does mm-hmm. talk about a lot of religious stuff. Brush up on your Mormon history because, yeah, uh, holy shit! I literally I think about this every time. They have this qu- these quick scenes where they're looking back on Joseph Smith and like mm-hmm. the creation of Mormonism and kind of the stuff that happened between him and um, uh, the other guy. 
Brigham Young mm-hmm. and university. All of these things. <laughs> yeah. <like> university. <laughs> so mm-hmm. and his they wife. Have, they the things this, I didn't know about his yes, wife. That Mary was the part something. But I was like, oh. Yeah. Uh, so they have the scene where he's it's just a quick flash, like mm-hmm. through these, they do a lot of montages. And he's he has his face in the hat. And I'm like, if people don't know anything about Mormonism, they're gonna see that and be like, what the fuck? Because there's literally a thing where you talk into the hat to get visions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a thing. So and the funny thing, up on so it. the funny thing is that's directly taken from occult practices. Yeah. If you're not familiar. Yeah. It's called scrying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hmm. Mm-hmm. Religion. Just anyway. Recycling things that already existed. Did you watch uh, this or part mm-hmm. of it? Yep. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. thought Andrew Garfield was great. Yes. Um, and the actor who, I don't, I don't actually don't know who he was. I've never seen him in anything before. But the actor who played opposite him, his like partner, mm-hmm. he was really, really good too. The indigenous man. Who yes. Plays the indigenous man in every movie. Has <laughs> he been in a lot of stuff? Yes. Oh, is he like the token indigenous guy yep. to bring in? Oh, well, he did sure good. Is. I thought he was really good at this. Mm-hmm. No, um, he is. Rory Culkin is like, With I just beard. love scary looking. All of the brothers that mm-hmm. they cast were like a uh, chef's kiss, like because they're One just of them crazy. Is um, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's son? Yeah, and I love him. Do he you? gets cast a lot as like stoners too. Which brother? Uh, the one Dan. The oldest one no, or the no. one he's, that he's was the, like the head under him, like the second one? He was one. under him. He was the blonde haired one. Yeah, the really crazy scruffies. one. Yeah, yeah. Who one had who the was like, Australian I want to fuck my daughters. That yeah, yeah. one. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, where they were his stepdaughters, right? Still, that doesn't right? make no. that's okay. I think that's, that's what he used. As, I think that is, but that does not make like, I think, okay. I think he, he convinced his yeah. wife because he was like, they were hers There's, from a previous yeah, marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, great series. That's why she brought them. To him. Right. Okay. The the more I talk about it. Great series. Check it out on Hulu. (laughs) I do want to. Looks pretty good, too. um, Yeah. I want to read the book. That's on my uh, to read list. Keep sweet. (laughs) Holy moly. Keep sweet. Pray no bait. This is on Netflix. I just. This makes me never want to go west of Colorado. Basically. Yeah. I know I have been west of Colorado, but like I ain't going into Idaho or Utah or fucking Montana anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah. It's. um, I wouldn't anyway. I'm just like, there's nothing out there that really interests me. There's lots of beautiful scenery. I mean, I guess. And that's the only reason I would go. Yeah. Is for the beautiful scenery. And I have friends who live in Idaho and stuff, but they live like in the city. I don't the city. one city, <laughs> Boise. <laughs> um, so this de- is a documentary, Keep Sweet Brain Obey, documentary on Netflix about uh, starts off talking about uh, Rulon Jeffs and kind of leading the FLDS or the fundamentalist. Uh, the fucking limp dicks, as I call them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fundamentalist Latter- Latter-day Saints. Yes. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, fractions of fractions of fractions. <laughs> yes. So, again, these are people who believe in plural marriage. Um, really, the man is the, what do they call him? It's like Oath Keeper or something. I don't think it's Oath Keeper. It's not Oath Keeper. That's something different. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a whole organization. <laughs> 
yeah, there's a name for it, but yeah. like the head of the household, mm-hmm. the women very subservient, the men go out and do the work. You completely whatever the profits. The says. women do work, but they yes. only are allowed to do housework. Yes, rearing children. Yeah, that sort of. Thing. Yeah. The what did I just what did I just say? You're talking about Rulon. Rulon. Oh, you have to listen to everything the prophet says. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So the prophet is also the person who tells you who you're going to be married to. Mm, And how many people you marry. Yes. (laughs) So Rulon was kind of the first, uh, Rulon Jess was kind of the first leader of all these people. He dies, which is weird to begin with because he wasn't supposed to die. Yeah, no one's supposed to die in that room. His son, Warren Jess, takes over. Things become extra weird because now he is marrying like 12, 13, 14 year old girls to men. He takes his, he he takes takes his, his dad's wives. wives. <laughs> yeah. Which is like the what the fuck part. Yeah. Um, and all of this is happening in Utah under their own sort of law enforcement weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, and the other confusing thing about it, so, like, the wives you take are supposed to come with you and serve you in your afterlife, quote, unquote. Um, so he took his father's wives. And so the one woman was like, well, then who do I, who am I with in my afterlife? Which was like, you're worried about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh- <laughs> so the documentary kind of looks at this story um, the move from Salt Lake City to the YZR, which was like the, what this is it called? Texas, right? Yearning for Zion yeah. Ranch. Yep. In Texas, yeah. uh, Short Creek. Mm. No. Short Creek, Utah. is somewhere in Texas. Yeah. Anyway. Because it was like super secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they had a lot of ex-FLDS members, a lot of survivors mm-hmm. um, coming forward and talking about their experiences within the church and... Um, kind of a lot of them were like, yeah, I was married at like 14 because that's what prophet told me to do. Yeah. Um, you know, Warren, I will say now Warren just is in jail for a long ass time. <laughs> um, yeah. For a lot of things, mm-hmm. including, um, uh, soliciting rape or aiding in rape, mm-hmm. I think. Which is a shocker that that. That was, like, the first charge that they got him on, I think. And then it all kind of, like, tumbled down from there. So, very interesting. Both of these things are a lot. So, like, make sure your mental health is in order before you start watching the shit. Because... Yeah, hearing from the survivors... It is a lot. And this one is, like, oh, God. Yes. I couldn't... It's very good, though. Just trying to imagine 14-year-old Janelle being like, okay, you have to get married now. And I know. Like, the one woman describing her wedding and her Mm -hmm. mother... Like, begging her mother to stop it and her mom, like, getting upset and teary-eyed and just like, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's very sad. So just, like, be warned. Um, Okay. This is that part of the show where you say content might not be appropriate for all listeners. It's already been pretty heavy, guys, but stick with us. Stick with us. Um, It's going to be light. No, mine's not going to be light. It's going to be ridiculous. uh, I'll tell you that. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever (laughs) talked about. It's right? pretty fun. Talking about, what are we talking about? Like child murder in front of a crowd one time we did. We did the do live that. show. I think we did do I that. Like, Sorry. I mean, it's But just you know happens. what you're getting into when you come up to the thing and it says bad taste. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. It's on the package. Yeah. It's on the tin. <laughs> so I know I've mentioned um, a while ago that we were going to be sort of 
re-examining some of our earlier topics. So this week we're taking another jaunt down memory lane to revisit uh, one of our earliest topics. This was actually episode four before we switched to our current format from like doing, I am not encouraging anybody to go back past episode 10, to be honest with you. Really? Like, I thought some of them were kind of funny. <laughs> I would have to go back, but I've listened at least the first five, yeah. like are like, you could probably just skip those because they were um, different. Gro- they're growing. They were different. Yeah, yeah, we were baby podcasts. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Black Widows today. Uh, this is also why this is an appropriate topic. Because yes. women can do anything. Right? Even kill your ass. <laughs> uh, and actually, we're going to be talking about somebody we talked about briefly on that episode. Ooh. Because it was kind of like uh, one of those where we did like bites. It was like micro bites of like mm-hmm. six or seven people. So we're going to dive a little deeper into this into this story. So we're talking about Betty Newmar. All right. All right. <laughs> this woman. <laughs> this woman. <laughs> uh, so Betty Newmar, originally Betty Walden Johnson, was born in 1931 in Ironton, Ohio. This is we're going to hit all your favorite places, by the way. Ohio. Ohio. Mm-hmm. Florida. North Carolina. Oh, Indiana. <laughs> wow. Um those tracks she was uh the daughter of a coal miner and later the family actually moved to florida where he worked on the railroads uh after graduating high school betty married a local boy named clarence malone in 1950 now both were just out of high school they were both like teenagers like 17 18 because that's the thing that you did in the 50s yeah still i can't even imagine um but (laughs) to no one's surprise i think the marriage didn't last very long (laughs) And while your children, yeah, <laughs> while Betty was pregnant with their first child, um, the pair got a divorce just a year after they'd been married. Now, according to NBC, Betty did file a report claiming that Clarence Malone had been abusive, but it's unclear, like, if anything had been done with the report, if mm. that had any bearing on like the separation or anything. But after the divorce, the Betty had their son Gary and Clarence Malone went on to remarry twice. Betty moved on to eventually meeting and marrying a man named James A. Flynn, who also decided to adopt her son Gary. So like things seem to be going pretty well. Pretty nice. Mm-hmm. There's a, a ton that I could find about the marriage in particular, like when um, the two of them met or like when they got married. But in 1955, Flynn mysteriously died in New York City. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there's actually not a ton known about his death. And Betty, like, later on, she told investigators multiple stories, including Flynn freezing to death in a truck and being shot on a pier. Shot to death on a pier. But, like, weird. Bird, where's the body? For the evidence. Don't know. Don't know. <laughs> Um, so there was a second child that resulted from her marriage to Flynn, daughter Peggy. Now, at the time of Flynn's death, Betty was living in Jacksonville, and, and there she had enrolled in beauty college and was still using Flynn's name in 1960. So there's that. Um, following Flynn's death, Betty met and married her third husband, Richard Sills. Now, Sills was a Navy sailor, and the two of them lived in Key West, Florida, where Sills would meet his untimely death. Starting to see a pattern here? Yes. <laughs> At least he died in paradise and not in New York. Uh, Allegedly. 
in paradise and not New York. <laughs> um, Betty and Sills had gotten into an argument at their house, resulting in Sills being shot. Now, okay, okay. Betty told police that he had shot himself and the death was initially ruled a suicide. Okay. Seems legit. Because what year was this again? Um, so this would have been, the let 60s? me see. Yeah, in the 60s. Okay, yeah. Women were still believable. I didn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, however, <laughs> and so we're going to just jump ahead in time just a little bit. Uh, this is according to Cleveland.com, quote, in 2008, a medical examiner's report surfaced that shows Sills may have been shot twice. It's hard to shoot yourself twice. It is. It's very hard. Um, according to reports, Monroe County, Florida officials declined to exhume Sills' body or pursue an investigation because they said the statute of limitations had expired. Mm. We'll come back to that a little later. But also, I'm thinking, like, there isn't a statute of limitation on murder unless there is in Florida, apparently. I wouldn't be surprised. In, in the 60s. Florida. Yeah. Florida in the 60s. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Would not be surprised. In 1967, Betty met her fourth husband, Harold Gentry, while cutting hair in Key West, and the two were married in 1968. Now, Gentry was also a military man, which meant that they kind of like moved around depending on where the military sent him, and sometimes they even went internationally. Um, and only two years into their marriage, okay, interestingly enough, remember the first husband? Mm-hmm. Two years into their marriage, Betty's first husband, Clarence Malone, was shot once in the back of the head while he was outside of his auto shop southwest of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That that happens. Does happen. Sounds kind of like a mob thing. Yeah. It was my, just like... Well, fun O'Malley story. Okay. Oh, boy. My dad got carjacked in Cleveland mm. in the flats. I've heard the story. Yes. And they went to shoot... They put him into the trunk and went to shoot him in the back of the head and the gun jammed and they ran away. Fuck Baby that. Janelle almost wasn't here. <laughs> um, but that does happen. Yeah. And just regular crimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Betty was questioned about this later. I think the weird part about this is she told police that he died of cancer. A bullet cancer, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know... <laughs> That you ever cancer that happens spreads cancer. fast through your body. <laughs> um, so this all does kind of sound a little suspicious, at least. But mm-hmm. it's and it's weird that like she would. I don't. It's weird that you would lie about something like that. Like, it, I feel like if you're going to be like it was cancer, it needs to be something that appears close to cancer, not like yeah. a fucking bullet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing she's like, oh, he had cancer and he killed himself. He was suicidal. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You almost believe that. Right. Except for the location of the bullet. <laughs> um, so even though it's weird, I don't really think that this one is connected to her necessarily. Um, according to Oxygen, quote, there were rumors that Malone had angered some members of a local motorcycle gang. Um, and as far as I'm aware, like this murder is still unsolved and is not because it was this being is this- inve- reinvestigated. Late 60s, Late early 60s, 70s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's like the time in Cleveland where... It's the time in the U.S. where all the biker gangs were like... Well, not only that, the mafia too was like strong-arming some of the biker gangs. Mm. Um, there was a lot of bombings happening in Cleveland also. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's peak, peak terrible times. <laughs> now, in 1985, we're going to jump ahead just a little bit, um, Betty's son, Gary Flynn was found shot to death in his apartment. It was ruled a suicide. 
Um, and where where are all these fucking bullets flying from? Like this is a lot of getting shot. Yes. Um, Someone needs to control those guns. It was it was ruled a suicide, and Betty received a payout from the ten thousand dollar life insurance policy that she had taken out on her son. Um, I will also say, oh, Vicky, did she kill her own son? Vicky. I don't know. Um, this is another one that I'm kind of like could go either way because um, when her and uh, who was her third husband? Let's see. Not Harold Gentry, the one before that. Sills. When her and Sills got into the argument and like he shot himself. Mm-hmm. I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm having a moment. She shot her son. Shot her Did son. Did she shoot her son? Oh, I know. Okay, this is what it is. Backtrack. Katie, mm-hmm. it has been, I just want to say, it has been such okay. a long week. You know what? I drank coffee and it was half a week. I literally half a week. did nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when that happened, both her son and daughter, Gary and Peggy, were like in the next room. Mm-hmm. When they were kids. Okay. So there is some thought to this leaving like a lasting um, mental health scar, right? Like yeah. that just was never. Or he could have remembered. Right. What happened. Yes. Yeah. And said something mm-hmm. to his mother. Yeah, maybe. Did you kill this guy? That's true. <laughs> Ma? That's true. Ma, did you kill this guy? It's <laughs> my best uh, Ohio <laughs> accent. <laughs> that was something. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> just going back to my childhood. So <laughs> Betty and Gentry had a child not, child not long after they were married um, named Kelly. And then and the two of them kind of had a relatively long marriage, um, at least compared to her past relationships that lasted like two years before somebody was dead. Um, <laughs> they were together for a total of 18 years. Wow. But this marriage would end as all the others had with a mysterious death. And little explanation. Is it also a gunshot wound? (laughs) So on July 14th, 1986, Mm -hmm. Gentry was discovered face down at the couple's home with multiple gunshot wounds. Okay, bitch, you have to mix it up, okay? You can't be just shooting everybody, fucking wily coyote, like bam, 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 bam. Okay, no. (laughs) Investigators also discovered the house looked ransacked and there were definitely like valuables in the house, but it didn't seem like there is any evidence of a break-in. Mm-hmm. Very strange. So a gentle tossing over of furniture. <laughs> yes. Very carefully. You will see that in my case as well. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, authorities' first theory was that Gentry had walked in on a robbery in progress resulting in his death. Um, the next step was to contact the widow, Miss Betty, who was three hours away in uh, Augusta, Georgia, getting her truck repaired. So she was not Odd. there. <laughs> Convenient, definitely. (laughs) But according to Harold Gentry's brother, Al, who had immediately gone over to the house after discovering his brother was dead, um, Betty didn't act how you would expect she would learning of her husband's death. I will say I tend to not, I try really hard not to like judge people's reaction to trauma Mm -hmm. because like. You don't know. You don't know. Yeah, like. You know, when people die, not everyone has an immediate, like, my when my example, my grandmother died. I didn't mm-hmm. start getting emotional about it until we fucking were at the funeral. You know, like. Right. <laughs> but this was a little weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was still a little weird. Um, so in an interview with 
People Magazine, Al said, quote, no tears. If she had tears and asked why somebody had killed him, I would have thought about it. Instead, he says, Betty immediately began trying to establish an alibi. That's why it's kind of weird because gotcha. mm-hmm. she was immediately like, well, I didn't do it. <laughs> I wasn't even here. I was three well, hours I away. I just ask you uh, if you needed something. <laughs> no, I didn't. Do you hear me? I didn't. Do you want a water? I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, authorities continued to investigate but never named any suspects or made any arrests. Betty netted $20,000 from a life insurance policy that had been taken out on damn. Gentry. Damn, damn, damn. Yeah. <laughs> It would be five years before Betty got married again to a man named John Newmar in Augusta, Georgia. According to Oxygen, when the couple married, quote, John Newmar was worth more than $300,000. But nearly 10 years later, they filed for bankruptcy and listed more than $206,000 in debts on 43 credit cards. Which is a lot of fucking credit cards. How can you even get that many credit cards? Yo, I don't know. How? Well... Uh, okay, so... 43? Spoiler alert, this woman used a lot of aliases. So (laughs) I have a feeling it might be, like, from using all of these aliases. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 43 credit cards. It's unclear where the money went. Uh, Betty clearly wanted more and tried to get it through the artful use of the scam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... Uh, This is again from Oxygen, quote, she persuaded more than 200 people to invest in a get-rich-quick scheme. She told them they would receive up to $100,000 for every $100 they put toward the legal expenses of a rich European family that had died with no heirs. That doesn't even make sense. (laughs) First of all, I'm just going to say this because this is also a very relevant thing to our time right now. If somebody is rich and as rich as they say, they do not need your money for legal expenses. Nope. Also, I've sued and, like, had lawyers, and I didn't pay anything until the case was done. Yeah. So, also that. A lot of times you can get a contingency agreement. Yes. Mm -hmm. Do that. (laughs) Um, So, tons of people from the community decided to invest, including her son-in-law. But in 1997, the scam came crashing down when none of the money materialized. Surprise, surprise. And it resulted in seven people pleading guilty to fraud, like, there were seven other people that were kind of the ringleaders of this thing, but Betty herself was never charged. Convenient. Very. <laughs> Betty's marriage with John Newmar lasted until 2007, when at the age of 79, John, John died of blood disease sepsis, which sounds pretty normal until you find out that John's grown children had no idea that he was sick let alone that he had died until they had read it in the obituary. I mean, so sepsis takes you very quickly. Like, you will die very quickly. So I can understand, like, why they wouldn't have known right away. But, like, that's a while to have an obit made up and put into paper. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, The other thing is interesting to note here, I would say, Many of the symptoms of blood disease sepsis are very similar to what you would see in arsenic poisoning, which is strange. Um, But we'll never know about this because Betty had the body cremated before the kids got up there. Shocker. Um, So there really wasn't a ton um, that they could do at the time. Mm -hmm. Now, since his father's death in the 80s, Harold Gentry's brother, Al Gentry, felt like... um, there was something suspicious about his brother's death and immediately began pressing police to look further into his death as well as investigate Betty like 
there was some shit going on with Betty for sure. Um, he knew she had benefited monetarily from his death and still like thought back to her reactions from when she arrived at the house the day the police called her. Um, and finally, police decided to reopen the investigation and take a second look at Betty Newmar. Now, they started by testing Harold Gentry's remains, where they were able to find the presence of heavy metals, but not in a concentration high enough. Um, and the results were inconclusive. They also discovered that Betty had used 28 different aliases and had at least one overseas bank account. <laughs> oh, my God. They also discovered the insurance payments and a, a couple of other pieces of evidence that weren't actually released to the public and probably never will be for reasons we'll talk about later. Oh, boy. <laughs> Whatever they had, it was enough uh, for them to charge Betty Newmar in 2008. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. While <laughs> With mm-hmm. three counts of solicitation to commit first degree murder and the death of fourth husband, Harold Gentry. Okay. She was 76 at the time that she was arrested. So she definitely has, if you look up pictures of her, she is like classic grandma, white curly hair, like, yes. Mm -hmm. This is from NBC News, quote, prosecutors allege Betty Newmar tried to hire three people to kill Gentry in the six weeks before his bullet riddled body was found in his rural North Carolina home. Um, The arrest, of course, prompted authorities to re-examine the deaths of her other husbands and other states. Because this is also just, like, not in just one state. Like, fucking all over. (laughs) Um, Three of the remaining four deaths were being re-examined along with with the supposed suicide of Betty's son, Gary Flynn, in Ohio. So they did start to... Because the insurance payment was, like, a weird thing. And I think they... At the time, even in the 80s, we're like paying out insurance payments like that a little bit more easily than they do now. Betty was released from a North Carolina jail in October 2008 after posting a $300,000 bond. While awaiting trial, Betty refused to interact with any of the media except for an interview she did in a 2009 BBC documentary called Black Widow Granny. Sounds like, like a rapper name. Black Widow Granny. <laughs> um, she used the platform to proclaim her innocence in all of the cases. I was hoping to find a clip from that somewhere. Could not find it, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and while I'd like to wrap this one up in a nice little bow, I just can't because Betty would die before I ever seeing a courtroom. Surprise. I mean, she was old. Is it bullet cancer? <laughs> bullet cancer. <laughs> On June 13th, 2011, Betty Newmar died from cancer. I was half <laughs> yeah. right. In a hospital in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, Harold Gentry's murder continues to remain open, although the other cases have pretty much been closed. They're like, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Without her, it's hard to reinvestigate these. So yeah. that is the story of Betty Newmar and her allegedly killed husbands. Black Widow Granny. Black Widow Granny, y'all. Now I really do think she killed her son. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right. Well, since uh, the past few weeks uh, have been shit and tragic and obnoxious, uh, we're going to fucking get out of the United States for mine. (laughs) And we're going to go to uh, Ireland. Ooh. So I'm sorry. There's probably going to be an accidental uh, accent in here somewhere. Oh, boy. Accidental or on accidentally on purpose. (laughs) Accidentally on purpose. We will be covering the case of the Irish black widow, Catherine Nevin. Okay. Okay. In 1970, at the age of 20, Nevin would meet her future husband, Tom. Uh, The two seemed like polar opposites. Uh, Catherine was a model type, always looking very glamorous, very dressed up, always wearing a dress, very formally, you know, she was actually formally trained in deportment, which is like a fancy term for a girl's finishing school. (laughs) So they what? teach you Deportment? manners, poise, like oh, all that stuff. The bullshit. Um, yes. The rich people uh, How bullshit. to balance books on the top of your head, mm. which forked to use. Just do that more so I could step straight. Yeah. I mean, that's the only time it's good is for your posture not to be fucked. Um, but other than that, it's dumb. Um, so she went to this school. She was very firmly trained. She was very glamorous. And she really had dreams of opening a modeling agency. So that was like her goal in life. Tom, on the other hand, was very quiet and reserved, a bit bookish. Uh, he was also about 10 years older than Catherine when they met. Um, and he was also divorced from a previous marriage, had a child uh, with the former wife. Okay. So very, very oppositional. They didn't actually go on their first date until four years later in 1974. Um, and then just two years after that, in 1976, they were married in Rome. Very fancy, extravagant wedding. She had the very classic 1970s dress with all the frilly laces and lots of fucking layers. Nice. Um, and he looks like a Monty Python character. So, yeah. Hey, I'm here for it. <laughs> you know Monty Python is my favorite. I'm yeah. here for it. <laughs> The two worked very hard. Uh, Tom would manage a bunch of pubs, and the two saved up enough money to have two homes in Ireland. Um, wow. So they had, like, a vacation home. And, like, That's nice two more homes home. than I have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Tom would eventually open his own pub in 1986 called Jack White's, and I don't mean the man who is in the White Stripes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so it's Jack White's pub. Don't know why I was named that. All right. No one's named Jack. No one's named White. But sure. Okay. <laughs> Ireland. Although, I mean... <laughs> capitalize on that now because people probably be like like the jack white okay Okay, we'll go there sure for sure um although they appeared to be successful it was not a happy marriage obviously black Mm. widows Mm. um catherine began having affairs with various men during this time oh okay i gotta be honest not what i was expecting (laughs) 
She was like, fuck it. I feel like a lot of times it's like a woman scorned. Like, well, she was scorned not. in a different way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that she married an oaf. Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> so she's having lots and lots of affairs. And by the late 1980s, Tom and Catherine rarely spoke to each other. And they slept in separate bedrooms, according to their former employees. Their relationship had become more of a business partnership than a romantic one. Okay. In March of 1996, Catherine told her pub employees that they would be closing up the shop that night. Now, this is weird because usually on Mondays after they've done their breakfast and lunch rush, the staff would – they would close for dinner. The staff would go to a local discotheque down the street and they would get trashed together and then they would come back and sleep in the pub. Now, that sounds weird. That sounds kind of fun. It's Ireland and yeah. pubs are actually most often than not double as hotels. Oh, really? Which is kind of the thing across the UK. But specifically in Ireland, the downstairs would be like a oh, tavern. Yes. The upstairs would be a hotel. Yeah. So they would just come back to work and Sounds stay fun. in their little room. So on this night, however, she said they couldn't come back to the pub because they were going to be doing something um, out and about, having time of their life or whatever. Um, so they were like, okay, weird, but okay. At 3 a.m., a shot rang out inside of Jack White Pub's kitchen. Tom Nevin was killed with a, shing- a single shot from a nine-pellet shotgun fired from close range. At 4.27 a.m., the Garde panic button in the pub was activated. Now, that's just like a fancy term for a police button. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like the called, emergency yeah, so they switch. Ca- they called the police. Um, when cops arrived, they came upon Tom Nevin dead in the kitchen and his wife, Catherine, distraught. According to Catherine, quote, I was awakened by someone pressing my face into the pillow. There was a light coming from the hall as the bedroom light was off. It was a man shouting, fucking jewelry, fucking kill ya. He had a knife in his left hand. Everything in the room was coming down around. Catherine said she was then tied up by her attacker, but she managed to escape and hit the panic button after they left the room. Sure. Wait. (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) So, I'm just thinking, like, is she trying to say that the whoever the intruder was was the person who also shot her husband? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, in the reports taken, quote, Tom Nevin did not appear to act defensively immediately prior to being shot. So there was no, like, defensive wounds. There was no things sprawled about like you were in a fight. He still had his glasses on his nose and a pen in his hand when the Garde found him. He so he was doing inventory. Yeah, he, he was just, you know, doing doing work. Yeah. Catherine Nevin's clothes were tested for gunpowder residue and came up negative. She also stated that she had washed her hands. Before the police came after taking off the ties, which is highly suspicious. So from the start, they were suspicious of her. My God, that's so suspicious. Uh, And they did do their due diligence and, like, test everything for gunpowder residue. But one person did state, like, in an article years later, like, she didn't call the police. The panic button didn't uh, happen until 427. That was an hour and 27 minutes after he was shot. So it's very probable that she could have just changed her clothes. Yeah, that's what I would think. So the scene of the pub was scattered and shrewd. Uh, they reported that more than uh, 16,550 pounds was taken from the premise. None of the windows and doors had signs of forced entry and the curtains had been drawn. Their car also was stolen, but was later recovered a few days later in Dublin. There was no evidence to show that an intruder did actually come into the premise of so the police, uh, noted it was likely an inside person. Okay. With only circumstantial evidence in hand, they arrested Catherine Nevin in April of 1997. Okay. 
So, so a few months later. <laughs> I mean, which makes sense because mm-hmm. it all points yes. to her. Yeah. As they began building their case, details and witnesses would start to come out of the woodwork, and it was fucking juicy. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Okay. As mentioned previously, Catherine Evan was sleeping around a lot. Right. <laughs> uh, but these liaisons were sometimes more than just sex. She was also soliciting people to kill her husband. Okay. <laughs> and these men would become witnesses against her. Ooh, girl. That choice, girl. That, that pussy was not magic. Okay. <laughs> they were open in their mouths. Her first affair in 1987 was with the pub's handyman and occasional smuggler. It ended very quickly. (laughs) What was he smuggling? Didn't say what he was smuggling, but he was an occasional smuggler. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair. Uh, She then went on to seek out attention from men who were considered Republicans. Now, this is not what we think of when we say Republican here. Um, these are people who are associated with or share the same beliefs of the IRA, which is the Irish Republican Army, not an American gotcha. Republican. They're very, very different. Yeah, they are. They are a paramilitary organization who fought for the reunification of Ireland, if you're not familiar with what the IRA is. They also have a political wing called Sinn Féin, which means ourselves in Gaelic, and Sinn Féin is still a political party, um, but the IRA was quote-unquote dissolved. I say quote-unquote because there are still some organizations that, like, factioned off of that that are active. Less bombing, yeah. but still. I was going to say, I thought it was, they were still some remnants of They're the They're not IRA, called like, the IRA anymore. There's, yeah. like, a faction of it, but they dissolved the original IRA. If you want... To know more about that, there's lots of fantastic history about the IRA and Sinn Féin and all that stuff. But humble brag, I have family members in that organization (laughs) ages ago, Um, which is probably why I have a thousand, you know, CIA, FBI documents about me. Um, (laughs) Also the fact that we literally research murder for this uh, podcast. That's a big one. That's a big one. Um, Now, she was making friends with Republicans for her own personal gain. And after this, she would then move on to an affair with a Garda inspector in 1991 by the name of Tom Kennedy. So a police detective. Okay. He denies their affair uh, ever happened, but a waitress at the pub stated that they had been seen together and that they were even caught in bed together. Mm, saucy. So. <laughs> it was also around this time that she began another affair with Judge Donahad O. Bucala. Oh my God, what a Gaelic name. That is very. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Kennedy, the other man that she was sleeping with, actually introduced the two. And he also denies having an affair with her. But witnesses from the pub also saw them together and said that he even had a key to the pub. I love that her booty calls are introducing her to other booty calls. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, From 1989 until 1991, Catherine would make 18 requests between three different men to have her husband killed. Wow. Desperation. Persistent. So we're going to go through a couple of the men that she asked that she didn't fuck. Okay. (laughs) Just asked. Um, So Jerry Hapes was a former provo from Harristown. This was the first man that she asked. He had not seen Catherine Nevin for years, but she called him up out of the blue at the local pub that he worked at, Fingal's, around uh, 1990, claiming to have been beaten by Tom. And quote, she said, uh, quote, he said, then she came and dropped the bombshell. She wanted to know, would I kill her husband? <laughs> he okay. said, said uh, that she asked him 10 or 12 times and he had told her that a bullet could pass through and hit her. You know, like you could be hit by mistake. But she said, 
it would look great if Tom died in my arms. <laughs> so, ouch. Wow. Okay. So, the next man was John Jones, 56, who was a former Sinn Féin Kunman chairman in Finglas. That's like a person who kind of is a representative for the political party. Okay. Um, okay. He was approached by Catherine Evan five or six times between 1989 and 1990. Uh, he said, Catherine had said, I want you to get the IRA to shoot Tom. <laughs> Jones just laughed it off at first. And then he finally told her, I don't want to hear the subject ever again. <laughs> Trying to get the IRA to be your lackeys. Right? It's like getting a mafia hit out on somebody. Yeah, right. Heaps and Jones had both experienced harassment from the police. And they did not report what they felt were like really ridiculous requests from her at the time. But then when Tom wound up dead, they both went to the police separately and were like, mm, she definitely asked us to kill her husband. <laughs> I mean, which kudos to them. Yeah. Because, like, mm-hmm. they could have just been like, eh, I'm not going to say anything. But Yeah. No, they were like, it was this bitch. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. The next man, William McLean, had, asked to, had been asked to carry out the murder while he was in St. Vincent's Hospital in 1990. She'd offered him 20,000 pounds for the hit and had told him she wanted the insurance and she was in line to get everything. McLean told her the court told the court that he was not going to do it. No fucking way. Quote unquote. And walked out of the room. Okay. Uh, that was his testimony. He said no fucking way. I mean, at least it's hold on. Let me say this correctly. <sighs> no fucking way. <laughs> Sounds a little Australian mm. there. <laughs> <laughs> During the trial, they called a number of witnesses, most of whom worked at the pub. Uh, Jane Murphy was the cleaner at Jack White's and overheard a violent row between Tom and Catherine. Tom told her to fuck off and said he would not sell out to her. So interesting. Interesting. There's a lot of fucking fucking happening. Fucking off. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, This led investigators to look into a monetary motive for Catherine Nevin killing Tom. When they looked into the insurance, they found some interesting things. She stood to gain from two different insurance policies with the Irish Progressive and Irish Life Insurance Companies worth a total of £262,500, as well as proceeds of the sale of Jack White's because she would inherit the whole thing, um, which would ultimately become to £600,000. So she's looking at £862,000 total. I mean, I would say that's motive enough. Yes. So it was clear to them that she was killing them for mo- killing him for monetary gain. Yeah. Um, she would be able to sell everything, start her own business, not have to be married to the schlub anymore. So all the affairs she could handle. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. Now, during the trial, Catherine Nevin denied affairs, stating that she only knew any of these men as friends. She also stated that Tom had IRA connections and was living dangerously. So she, like, pushed it off on him. It's like, oh, it's the IRA, obviously. If I know anything about the IRA, they're not using a single-shot nine-pellet gun to kill your husband. It's going to be, like, a fucking automatic weapon or a fucking bomb. So, No. Jesus. Yeah, and they don't go into places. They shoot you from the fucking street. Yeah. Uh, This was deemed, like, totally untrue by the Irish police because 
The thing about the Garda is they have uh, a special unit for the IRA and they have fucking file folders on every person who's ever even associated with the IRA, looked at an IRA member, was in an IRA place of business at any time. And they had nothing on Tom or anyone he was directly associated with. So her claims of him being connected to the IRA are absolutely false. Interesting that they have an IRA like division. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like they did for the mafia here. Yeah. There's part of me like, man, I wish they would do that for some of these extremist political groups. <clears throat> yeah, they kind of have but, they have an organization for yeah. domestic terrorism, but yeah, no, they need to have dedicated groups. Need a prob- of people prob- prob- boys to- division. Yeah. It needs <laughs> to be more parsed out. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the media went a bit crazy over this case because of all of the affair talk, because like, if you know anything about Ireland, like good Catholic Protestant people go there. Yeah. We're very like, listen to the church. Don't get divorced. Have 20 children. Yes. Yeah. Birth control is stupid. No condoms. (laughs) Which is why I always am like, yeah, I'm Irish. Only by name. (laughs) I don't even eat potatoes. Can't you tell by my 16 children? (laughs) Right. So they went crazy over this. The tabloids would call her a femme fatale and a black widow. A blonde bomb, not a bombshell, a blonde bomb. Okay. Which is why I selected this, because by definition, not really a black widow if you're only killing one man, but kind of because you're fucking all of these other men. Yeah. So, you know. And it was her husband. There is definitely something to be said for the way women are portrayed, Uh especially if it is a, like, a spousal thing. Yeah. The way women are portrayed in the media and the tabloids, like, eat that shit up. Yeah. Now, so, like, at the time, she was called the Irish Black Widow in, like, mm-hmm. everything. Because you said this was, like, the 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. When she would... finally was caught. I can totally <laughs> <Yeah>. see, <laughs> see, like, the big tabloid headlines yeah. and shit. Yeah. So, that's why I picked it. But, like, in definition, not particularly. And more of the articles that were happening towards the end of this, mm-hmm. um, they alluded to uh, she was a committing parasite okay which is killing your partner yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah it's interesting how it switched but. right the tabloids were commenting on what she was wearing how her hair was like every single fucking day mm-hmm. practically like just talking nothing about her appearance uh the descriptions of her were having things like quote scarlet fingernails and scanty underwear and like saying that like they could see through her dresses and stuff oh like my that God. It, so very like sexualizing it a lot because of all of the discussions of affairs at the trial yeah she was said to have this is like a quote from the newspaper to have used, quote, her silken boudoir within her den of sleaze to bed a bevy of sex-hungry men while plotting her husband's murder. I want to go there. Right? <laughs> that just makes me want to go there. That just sounds like a dominatrix house. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I like a oh silken boudoir full of sleaze. These fucking descriptions <laughs> that they that people... Saucy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's so over the top. Mm-hmm. So over the top. Yes. And if there's one thing I know is lots of fantastic writers have come out of Ireland. Ireland, and so I'm not surprised. Yeah. At all. The judge would eventually get so upset about this that they banned the press and forbade them from mentioning her appearance in any reporting. Good for you. So. Good. They were like, no. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be about that. It should be exactly. about the case. Even it's, if she did it, like, talk it about the facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the trial lasted 46 days. 
Uh, Guilty verdicts on charges of murder and soliciting three men to murder were returned against Catherine Evan in Dublin's Central Criminal Court. The verdicts were returned from six men and six women in the jury. So they were very like... And it took them five days, which is a record in Irish legal history as kind of like a long time to deliberate. Yeah. Nevin was sentenced to life in prison. This was not the end. Okay. <laughs> in 2003, she appealed to have her conviction thrown out and deemed a miscarriage of justice. That's how they call it over there. Sure. Um, you know, like ineffective counsel kind of a thing. Okay. Um, she was denied. Of course. She again applied in 2010 and was denied again. Yeah. During this time, however, she was granted day release to attend classes with a prison ward at her side. So she was going to school to get a degree. Um, oh, my God. Which, if you're not familiar with day release, we have mentioned it before. We don't really do that much yeah. here anymore. But no. in Ireland, it's still a thing. I think we just talked about it in Canada, maybe. Yeah. Like, we didn't uh, Europe that. still, Europe, the UK, they still do it. Yeah. Especially for people who are deemed, like, not a danger to society. Day release means you can go out during the day from prison. They also have weekend release where you're only in jail Monday through Friday and you're like, hey, on the weekends and Saturday and Sunday. The thing about this, though, is like they do have to stay at specific places in Ireland and they do have ankle bracelets and things like that. But yeah, they don't do that here anymore. <laughs> wow. It's still one of those things that I'm just like, mm-hmm. I just don't think and they, they should were, do. And they were given an escort. But in 2015, when she was granted day release again to go out and complete some additional courses, she was unaccompanied. And there are tabloid pictures of her walking down the street in, like, a really nice uh, outfit with, like, books and, like, big sunglasses, like, going to school. Wow. The funny thing is uh, most life sentences in Ireland are never actually really fulfilled for life. Usually people are let out before that if if they're deemed, like, not a repeat offender or a danger to society. So you could kill someone and get released from prison, even though you've been sentenced to life. That's insane. So just, that's insane. If you're going to commit a crime, do Do it in Ireland. Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people are also given parole a lot. Yeah. Um, We're the only place I think on the face of the planet that doesn't have a possibility for parole for people who are given life sentences. Like Um, you can, you can, mm -hmm. But it's not typically given a lot yeah. of times. So it- like in Germany, France, Ireland, it's given. Yeah. Like almost all of yeah. the time. It People has- get out of jail all of the time. <laughs> if you get it, it has to be passed out. So you would get a sentence of like, it's always after a certain amount of time. So it'd be mm-hmm. like, you know, life with possibility of parole after 30 years yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, which normally by that time you're in your like 80s. Yeah. And- or you're dead. Yeah. Right. Or you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it never really happens here. But in other places, it happens quite a bit. That's crazy. It's nuts. That's crazy to me. In 2014, she was denied a a bid to appeal her murder conviction to the Irish Supreme Court. Okay. So she wanted to get it overturned um, because they said that they were out to get her. And then it was the IRA, still with the IRA stuff. Um, But she would eventually get released because in 2016, Nevin was diagnosed with a brain tumor Oof. and given months to live. So yeah. she received compassionate release in late 2017. And the, repa- the papers reported uh, sightings of her almost weekly until she died in February of 2018. Wow. So she like was a whole year almost out of jail because of her brain tumor. Yeah. So that was Catherine Nevin, the wow. Irish Black Widow. 
who wow. killed one man. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> but fucked a whole lot more. <laughs> Saucy bitch. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, before you uh, try and kill your husband, first of all, don't. <laughs> first of all, don't ask the guy you just slept with. Yeah. Not yeah. good pillow talk. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Not second of all. smashed. Do we want to kill my husband? <laughs> <laughs> but second of all, check out this podcast. <laughs> We're the Vocal Fries. I'm Carrie. And I'm Megan. And we have a podcast about linguistic discrimination. We talk about language, not being a jerk, not judging people for the way that they speak, and we try to have a good time. We talk about things like vocal fry, swearing, Southern American English, and prescriptive grammar. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. All right, Janelle, that has been our show. It has. Um, what do we got? We got one thing to talk about. Two. At least one. I only. What's the, the one two. in Ju- what, July? Yeah. Okay, we got fun in September too. Oh yeah, <laughs> girl. I don't know anything past we're what confused. we're doing today. Um, okay, so we have two yes live events yes. that you can come see us at. <laughs> one of them is Parapalooza, July twenty third. Did I remember that correctly? Yes. Yeah, it's it'll a Sunday. it'll literally be the weekend after this episode comes out. Yes, I was yeah. like, when does this come out? That's why I was like, yeah. do we have two? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you can go to Eventbrite. We have posted the link directly to get tickets. You pick up your tickets um, through there. We will be doing a live show, I believe, for 2 to 3 o'clock. I'm pretty sure that's the schedule said. Uh, Ghostly Podcast will be there. They're having yes. ghost tours. There's bands. It's like yeah. a whole entire day. I will say, I just went out and saw the venue a couple weeks ago. We mm-hmm. had like a little meeting, and it looks like it's going to be super fun. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a ton, like a ton of vendors there, from yeah. what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like this nice outdoor bar. Like, if the weather's nice, it'll be mm-hmm. great. If not, it's covered. So, mm-hmm. like, you don't have to worry about rain or anything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, really we have that in July. That. That'll be fun. And then we are back at the Fringe Festival in Elgin in September. Yay. We don't have the dates yet. No. Um, But it's going to be another live show just like the last one. I will say that they have increased ticket prices a little bit. Um, So it's now $7 to $12 for just one show or you will get you can get the event passes to see everything. Um, The tickets will go on pretty soon. I think they're going to start in the end of July. Yeah. And they just, early um, August. Yeah. Side Street Studio Arts just got a new space, didn't they? Yes. They will be moving in within the next year. Yeah. Um, I see that in yeah. my emails. And I was like, ooh, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger space. Way I bigger. like the space mm-hmm. that they have, but those stairs up to that second it's floor. It's not ADA accessible. That's no. why they're moving. That's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they looked at the cost of like putting an elevator or like a chair left. Oh, like, God, fuck this. Yeah. Let's get a new place. So yeah. um, they'll be moving. Um, but I. I'm pretty sure they're going to still have all the podcasts that are coming at the Blue Box. Yeah, that's where we're um, last But we'll keep you updated. They are going to be spread out all over downtown Elgin. Yeah. There's going to be lots of stuff there. There are some really cool shows. I'm helping in a different capacity for set, for uh, the Fringe Festival. I'm on the Elgin group, which is a committee who is kind of trying to increase accessibility for uh, local artists to get their shows going. Mm-hmm. So we have three artists. One of them is a clown burlesque review. And Ooh, I, I want to see that. I'm so excited to, to watch this. Yeah. The other one is a uh, GIF theater, which is GIFs, GIF, oh. GIF, GIF. Oh. Uh-huh. And that one's going to be very funny. I'm sure it will, but that, that mm-hmm. name makes me sad. It's very, very funny. <laughs> Um, and then there's another one that's going to be there. I forget the name of it, but it is about like, it's a 
satirical play about like um christian abstinence movement camps okay okay (laughs) it's gonna be hilarious yeah and you Um, know there's lots of cool stuff to see you know us we love working with the fringe it's Mm -hmm. something we're always excited to do so definitely stay tuned to like our social media and stuff we will Mm -hmm. let you know we will keep posting once all the information comes out yes Mm -hmm. um i think it's all of our events (laughs) well now (laughs) if you enjoyed this episode you can find more like this at badtastepod.com wait bad taste (laughs) it's been a while I don't remember. Just look up for just Google. Just look bad taste just podcast. Google. You'll fucking find us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just Google it. It'll be fine. Google it. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. You can donate there. You can merch there if you find the website. This yeah. will be like a scavenger hunt. I just don't have it in me, guys. I'm so- <laughs> right at the end. If I'm you like, put in bad taste podcast, yeah, we'll come up okay. immediately. So it's fine. Well, on that note, our <laughs> sound and editing is by Tiff Fullman. Our music is by Jason Zakshevsky, The Enigma. <laughs> We're going to go crawl into a hole until next time. Yeah. <laughs> we will see you in two weeks. Goodbye. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all people in some form or another.